Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Today's episode is our WWE recap of Backlash 2023. Uh, this was the latest pay-per-view. It's the fourth pay-per-view of the 2023 year. And this is basically, I'm so glad that they changed the name because last year it was called WrestleMania Backlash and now this year it's just WWE Backlash and I, I prefer that. I've always thought of it as Backlash ever since they started doing it back in 2000. Um, way, way better name. Uh, but let's kick things off. Uh, the opening match was... Um, the opening match was Bianca Belair defending the WWE Championship. Was defending... Defending the WWE uh, Raw Women's Championship against uh, uh, Io Sky. And it was kind of... It was kind of interesting to see the match. The match was going really well. And for some reason, I think I think the most surprising thing to me was that, you know, the this pay-per-view took place in Puerto Rico. It, it was live from San Juan and everything like that. But what surprised me about this match is that even though Bianca Belair won, Bianca Belair was getting booed. And I thought, wow, okay, that's interesting. But at the same time, I think I think the WWE Universe is just kind of getting tired of seeing Bianca Belair as the champion. We understand the road to get there, like her journey to becoming the champion was, is always going to be a great story. Like, you know, it's the, it's the chase of the title that always makes for a compelling story. But once you get there, it's like, where do you go from here? You've reached the top and now there's nowhere to go but down. And I think Bianca Belair, she's put up an incredible streak. She's had some amazing matches for the Raw Women's Championship. But for some reason, it's starting to get a little complacent. Like, it's like she has no real people left to beat anymore. And, you know, like my, my biggest thing about Bianca Belair, I think she's a great champion. Her, her ring work is really good, but... Bailey could have took it off of her because I think they could have elevated damage control further than what they were trying to do because I think this whole damage control thing has kind of run its course. I really don't understand why they're kind of still a thing. Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky are a great team together, but for some reason they just, it's not working anymore. And the same thing with Bianca Belair. Like ever since when Sasha Banks left, and so did. Um, when Sasha Banks and Naomi left, that left a huge void in everything. But then Becky Lynch got hurt. Charlotte Flair got hurt. And it's like they weren't really pushing anybody else. And I was like, okay, we have Bianca Belair, but we don't have another top female star to put her against. Then Bailey returns. And I was like, if anybody could have given Bianca Belair a run for her money, it would have been Bailey, but they didn't book, they didn't book it. You know, they had one or two matches together, but they were trying to push the entire group of damage control as a group. And it worked when when Dakota and, and Io Sky won the tag team titles. But but for them to kind of snub Bailey was just ah, I don't understand that. And that that kind of suffers because now you really don't have anything else for Bianca Belair to do. I thought when they put her with Alexa Bliss, that should have been the moment where, you know, all right, let's try to do this. But it's short-lived. Like, these short-lived feuds 
don't get nobody nowhere. It doesn't further the champion because there's no build towards it. It doesn't further the challenger because then you lose and then you, you know, you're just, you're just a loser after that. You don't get no say-so in that. This match was good. Io Sky is a, is a hell of a wrestler, as is Bianca Belair. But, you know, I, I, can see, I can see people getting complacent with Bianca Belair being the champion. It's been over a year now that she's been champion. And, and I can see a little bit, kind of getting a little frustrated because she has nobody left to get to. Now... Her being on SmackDown could change a lot of things. Like I could see her going up against somebody like like Shayna Baszler or even um, uh, not. I don't ever want to see Ronda Rousey in a title picture again. But you know, Shayna Baszler could do it. You know, maybe another run for Natalia. Um, hell, even um, even Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green could actually get a run. Not a run, but at least a shot. And everything like that. Hell, I, I mean, I would even put maybe one of those titles on Raquel Rodriguez. You know, give Liv Morgan a, a, a steady shot at the title. Like a, a, a proper push, so to speak. And everything like that. Overall, that match was that match was good. But I don't think it did anything to hurt. It did more harm to the damage control group than it did harm to Bianca Belair. Because for Puerto Rico to boo Bianca Belair like that, that was just... That, I didn't see that coming. But then I understand why it's there. So I don't know where they go from here now that Bianca Belair's on SmackDown. So we'll see what happens there. I, I'm, I'm assuming because she's on SmackDown and Rhea Ripley is on Raw that they're going to swap titles. But, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? Uh, but anyway, the next match is uh, Seth Rollins versus Omos. I've, I'm not really sold on almost. I think I was sold on him when he was with AJ Styles, but I wasn't sold. I'm not sold on him now. You know, he's just as like he plays a good like enforcer type character. But for him to be the lead dog and have MVP as a mouthpiece, that's cool. But it's not getting nowhere. Like him losing to Brock Lesnar, losing to Bobby Lashley, you know, losing to all these guys, and now losing to Seth Rollins. I think, um, you know, it's it's causing it's he's really kind of losing his value, and I don't think that that's good in the long run. Don't get me wrong; this is by far one of the best matches we've seen from almost because Seth Rollins is a good wrestler. He can actually work around a big guy like that. You know, you can throw him around and he'll make it look cool. To where guys like Lashley and Lesnar, those guys don't work because they're just big behemoths, just like almost. You can't have two powerhouses go head to head because somebody's got to take the fall. So, but yeah, you get in there with somebody like Rollins or even somebody like Austin Theory, it could definitely work and everything like that. So that was interesting to see. It was really cool to see that. Uh, next up, we had the triple threat match between, for the U.S. title. It was uh, Austin Theory defending the title against Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. I honestly, I, I understand they've been, ever since Vince McMahon kind of stepped down, you know, he he had a rocket ship up his ass. They were really trying to push Austin Theory to be the next top guy, you know, and everything like that. At this point now, he had a solid run. He's had a solid run as the U.S. champion. Then when Vince McMahon kind of went away and they put the title back on him, they still want to make him relevant. I think the win over John Cena helped. I think the win uh, at... um. The win at Elimination Chamber also helped. 
but and then this win now, but like it's like he's not fighting anybody new. You know what I mean? He fought Bronson Reed was in the elimination chamber match. He beat Bobby Lashley for the US title already. You know, and everything like that. And, you know, he's Theory could be Theory works great as a heel. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a good worker. He's got an amazing look. He is a great bad guy. The problem is he's fighting the same good guys all over again. Yeah, we could you can get behind Bobby Lashley. He's easy to root for. He's easy to be to, you know, he's easy to chase the title. But we've seen this before, Austin and Lashley before already. There's no point in doing it again. Bronson Reed had a bigger chance of winning it because the U.S. title would have been on Raw, and that would have opened up a whole lot of avenues to go into there. So that would that would have been kind of cool to see Bronson Reed have a maybe a decent. Um, the guy is starting to get over, and he could get he. I could see him getting a mid card push, but I don't know if they're going to put a title on him anytime soon. But it would have been interesting to see him win that title. Um, Lashley, I don't know. I don't know if I could see Lashley winning the, the U.S. title again for a fourth time. You know what I mean? If you're going to keep Austin Theory as the U.S. champion, he needs to fight somebody new. Somebody like Elias, Matt Riddle. Well, not Riddle because Riddle's on SmackDown. Well, no, so is Austin Theory. So, I don't know. If they want to push Theory some more, have him go up against somebody he's never faced before. That would be interesting to see. I don't want to don't put him with Sheamus. I don't want to see him with Sheamus because Sheamus has already been U.S. champion. Don't put him with Drew. I don't even know if Drew's still going to be around. Um, but, you know, don't put him with somebody who, where the U.S. title wouldn't benefit him. You know, it's got to benefit somebody. You know, it, it depends. You know, the I don't really know the roster stuff because I didn't watch the draft. But I saw, you know, some of the guys moving to Raw and SmackDown. It'd be interesting to see, you know, and everything like that. She put Austin Theory with almost, and then you probably, you know, you could do some damage right there. You know, have almost become the U.S. champion and make him a credible threat for somebody. So, you know, I just booked you a summer right there. So, thank you. You're welcome, WWE. Uh, next up, we had the SmackDown women's title. It was Rhea Ripley defending the title against uh, Zelina Vega. All due respect to, to Zelina Vega, I think she's a great talent. I think she is a she was a great manager with uh, with Andrade. She's a great manager with the LWO and those guys and everything like that. She's a great in she is a great in ring performer. She's great. She really is. She's underrated as a talent. But even though she was the hometown girl from Puerto Rico and everything like that, I there was never a doubt in my there was never any anything to me that registered to me that she was going to beat Rhea Ripley. You know, I was like, they're going to Sami Zayn her. She's going to get an overwhelming ovation because she's from Puerto Rico. Well, she's technically from Queens, but she is Puerto Rican and everything like that. But she's not going to beat Rhea Ripley and everything like that because we're just beginning this Rhea Ripley dominance. You know, the dominance is going to go further and further as far as it can possibly go because Rhea Ripley deserved it. Ever since she joined the judgment, the judgment Day, she's been on this dominant run. And her winning the Royal Rumble and then beating Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania solidified the entire thing. So for them to kind of cut it short in her first major title defense wasn't going to make a whole lot of sense, despite it being in Puerto Rico and everything like that. So 
Solid match. It's a great power. It's always cool to see the powerhouse versus kind of like the high flyer or the technician. Because, you know, like I said, somebody's got to take the fall and everything like that. And even though Zelina Vega showed some pretty intuitive offense, it wasn't going to be enough to bring down Rhea Ripley and everything like that. So I think Zelina can win the title another day some other way. To whereas Rhea Ripley, if they pick the right person for somebody to, to dethrone her, that works too. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I didn't think the match was, that match was okay. It wasn't as good as Bianca Belair and Io Sky, but it was good enough to kind of have, for Zelina Vega to have a moment, you know, because she hasn't really had one. Yeah, she won the first Queen of the Ring, and she's been a tag team champion before, but um, she's never really had a moment like this before. And it, you could see the emotion on her face in this match that, you know, this was her moment. You know, she hadn't really had a moment really at all uh, in the WWE. So that was kind of cool for them to kind of give her that, especially in Puerto Rico. Uh, next up, we had, next up was the uh, the San Juan street fight, you know, between Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. I was actually looking forward to this because I know what kind of athlete Bad Bunny can be, and I know what type of what type of uh, arsenal that Damian Priest brings. This was a fucking stellar match. I was expecting kind of something like a cat and mouse thing. Like I, I honestly was going to expect something like Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, but this was way better than what I expected. This match had everything. They literally threw everything at you besides the kitchen sink. You know what I mean? This match was good. It showed what type of athlete and what type and how serious Bad Bunny is about doing this WWE stuff. And it showed you what a great and underrated uh, technician that Damian Priest is for a guy his size. You know, Damian Priest is the powerhouse of the group of the Judgment Day. And for him to kind of you know, have some great offense in there with a guy like Bad Bunny. That's cool. That is an amazing feat for him and everything like that. Do I think it would have meant more, like, th like it was kind of hard to kind of have a good guy and a bad guy in this because both of these guys are from Puerto Rico, you know, so it's like, all right, these are both hometown guys and everything like that. So you really don't know who's going to be the bad guy, who's going to be the good guy. Bad Bunny plays the, a good good guy because the Judgment Day are all heels, so it works out that way. And then speaking of the Judgment Day, I was expecting an appearance by them, and of course we got an epic fucking appearance from not only the Judgment Day, but from Rey Mysterio. We got an appearance from Carlito, which I was not expecting. There was even an appearance from Savio Vega. I was like, dude, yep, the stars of... Of, of, of the Puerto Rican wrestling made their appearance and everything like that. Then, of course, the actual LWO showed up and everything like that. It was cool to see all that. Carlito's music hit. He got a hell of an ovation when he ran to the ring and helped out uh, Bad Bunny and all those guys, as did Savio Vega. You know, it was crazy to see that all these legends of wrestling from Puerto Rico make this appearance and everything like that. I, I Obviously, I know they did it for that fanfare and everything like that, but... It paid off great, man. You saw the ovation. Everybody went crazy. I popped when I heard Carlito's music. I was like, holy shit, Carlito's here? You know, the guy still looks like he's in phenomenal shape. He gives uh, Finn Balor the backstabber. Man, that still looks like a devastating move. And the fact that Carlito looks like a whole lot bigger than when he did in the WWE, 
it was amazing to see that he could still pull that move off. And then Savio Vega throwing his one-two jabs and then a super kick. I was like, holy shit. This guy still moves pretty great for a guy in his you know late 50s and everything like that. The highlight of that street fight, in my opinion, the guys are fighting outside, Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. And they fight outside. They're in the the they're in the audience area. And it looks like the Bad Bunny's gonna try to do this move to Damian Priest off the in off the equipment through the table, but Damian Priest reverses it and gives him the broken arrow through the table. And I, I didn't see that coming. I was like, holy shit, Bad Bunny actually took that move. That's crazy. And then, you know, they look like they were going to stop the match. And then Damian Priest being the cool heel that he is, like, nope, we ain't stopping nothing until I'm ready to stop. So they get back in the ring. Bunny has his moment. Everybody runs the ring. Then the, the, it's all cleared out. Bad Bunny ends the match with the Canadian Destroyer, which he made famous two years ago at WrestleMania. And the one, two, three, Bad Bunny wins. That was That was pretty cool. I think the only thing that bothered me was the fact that they made a joke that because Bad Bunny kind of uses that as his finisher, it should be called the Puerto Rican Destroyer. No, 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 no. You know, you want to call it the Bunny Driver, you know, that sounds cool, but we don't got to change the name of it, you know, just because Bad Bunny did it and he's from Puerto Rico. But overall, that was a good match. I think that was the best match of the night, that street fight. It really lived up to the hype. And it really, really solidifies the fact that guys like Bad Bunny and even a guy like Logan Paul, these guys actually take this WWE thing really seriously. And they respect the hell out of it for them to put on a show like that. And it's amazing to see that these outsiders who are not who are not traditional wrestlers put on great performances. We've seen that in the past. It's just that we haven't seen that in a long time, especially in this modern day and everything like that. That was really cool. So overall, that was a good match. That was probably the best match of the night. Uh, the next match was the six-man tag between the Usos and Solo Sokoa taking on Matt Riddle, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. This match was probably the best story element to the to the to the whole pay-per-view because it has those moments on: Are we going to see? the implosion of the bloodline and it showed those moments where solo almost turned on 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 the usos and everything like that but he he if he turned on them it would be because roman reigns wanted him to do that the usos failed the usos lost the tag team titles at wrestlemania the usos are the ones that are responsible for the downfall of the bloodline so i i get why it would be it would make sense for Solo to turn on them. Now, if the Usos would have turned on them, they probably would have been turned face, you know, and everything like that. So that would have been kind of cool to see too, but it would have made sense. You know, like why would the Usos face Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa? Didn't really make a whole lot of sense with this bloodline storyline overall. Now, if if it goes the other way, like I said earlier, with Reigns and Solo, that would have been fine, you know, because that made that made sense. You lost the titles. You fucked up. You failed. You let us down. And we're done here, and everything like that. So, this match was okay. This match had its moments, you know. I mean, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Matt Riddle all had their moments, and I was surprised to see that the, that Solo Sokoa was going to be the one to get the three count. I, that was I was I didn't expect that. You know, he gives uh, he gives Matt Riddle the Samoan spike at the end. One, two, three. Bloodline wins. 
and everything like that. That was really cool. It's cool little storytelling, and you know, it further goes along with that storyline. Like, are they going to implode? Are they going to break up? Are you know, who you know, who goes where, and everything like that. But it also further continues the story between Sami Zayn and the Bloodline as well, because now Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are starting to get under their skin in a way that you know, it's slowly but meticulously going to break down the Bloodline, and we could see an implosion. It could be at the next pay-per-view, which is like in three weeks now, because that's Night of Champions where we're going to crown a new world heavyweight champion. Or it could be in August at SummerSlam. You know, who knows? Who knows what the deal is going to be? Who knows where we go from here? I'm all for where they go from here, because I've been invested in that storyline since they started. So I think it's going to get better. I hope it gets better. But I, I, I'm, I'm real hesitant to see how, on how long and how far it's going to go. So we'll see what happens after that. And then now moving on to the main event, Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. This was a hell of a match. This was a damn good match because, one, Brock, Cody Rhodes beats the shit out of Brock Lesnar before the bell rings. I wasn't expecting that. And then they actually had blood in this match. Cody Rhodes, it looks like he accidentally exposes the turnbuckle. Brock Lesnar bounces his own head off the turnbuckle, and he has a gash right above his eyebrow, and the blood just comes. Like, like, the, like you can totally tell the camera was trying not to you know, get a close-up on Brock Lesnar, but then when Lesnar started making his comeback and fighting, and you know, he would give the F5 and do some of his offense, you, know, you couldn't hide that. You know, his, as Corey Graves said, you know, his face is a crimson mask. That I was not expecting this match to get that violent, and it did in a way, but it paid off in such a great way because it made Cody Rhodes look more like a fighter that was not going to go down with, that was not going to go away quietly. And then the fact that it ended with a Brock Lesnar mistake, that blew me away. Brock Lesnar goes for the Kimura lock on Cody Rhodes, and it looks like he's going to break his arm, but Cody Rhodes bridges up and presses all his body weight on Brock Lesnar's shoulders. One, two, three, the referee counts, Cody Rhodes wins. And I was like, holy shit, Cody Rhodes won by pinfall of, any, of, you know, of all things and everything like that. This match, because we didn't really have a build to this match because when Brock Lesnar turned on Cody Rhodes the night after WrestleMania and you know we didn't get to see this tag team match between Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa against Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar, and we really didn't get an understanding why Brock Lesnar turned on Cody Rhodes or why they made Brock Lesnar the heel. We don't really get an explanation for it at all. We did, however, get some great promos from Cody Rhodes because he's become one of the best guys on the mic. It's not it's very rare when you have a good baby face on the mic because we haven't had that for a long time. John Cena did it, but John Cena's kind of a part-timer is really kind of fading away into you know his later years which is sad but Cody Rhodes is starting to come into his own you know as being the best promo that they have you know we don't it's not very there's not a lot of guys that are over like Cody Rhodes that can kill it on the mic and also take care of business in the ring this match between Rhodes and Lesnar was a little short but it was damn good because they both each got their offense in they beat Scott Color which I was not expecting you know, it made Cody Rhodes look good. It still made Brock Lesnar like the beast incarnate that he's always he always is. But because he's so obsessed with hurting people, it cost him the match. 
Same thing with Cody Rhodes. Like, if Cody Ro- Cody Rhodes made it seem like he was going to beat Brock Lesnar or die trying, and he almost did. I was expecting, I was expecting this match to be like a, a down and dirty, you know, a knockdown, drag out, slobber knocker. I was not expecting blood, really at all. To be honest, I was expecting blood from Bad Bunny and 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 Damian Priest, but that didn't really happen. Yeah, Damian Priest busted his nose a little bit, but it was nothing compared to the Crimson Mask that. Brock Lesnar did so all in all that was a good match that was a really good match and it was a great kind of story that they kind of told for for Cody getting his revenge on Brock Lesnar now is it going to continue who knows but uh so far so good you know if it continues it is I think the rumor that I heard that Brock Lesnar might be the one to win the to win the world title at night of champions in Saudi Arabia but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, I'm looking forward to the next pay-per-view because I do. I am curious to see who's going to be the new World's Heavyweight Champion. So that being said, um, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. Overall, this was a pretty good pay-per-view. You know, all the matches were pretty good. You know, I think, to be honest, I think the only bad match was probably... Hmm, if I had to pick a bad match, I don't think there was a bad match. All the matches were good. Like, all the matches really lived up to the hype. The best match, in my opinion, was the was the, the San Juan street fight. That was a good one. That one definitely kind of stole the show. I think the most shocking match to me was the main event because, like I said, I wasn't expecting color. And, you know, Brock Lesnar bled like a stuck pig, and it was, it was great. I love seeing that kind of stuff. You know, this whole PG, let's brighten it up for the kids. That shit got, that shit got old really quick really quick and leave it to Brock Lesnar to be the one to, you know, dump his face in the in the blood and everything like that. But it was really cool, man. This was a pay-per-view. I wouldn't say it was better than WrestleMania, but it was a good way to kind of to follow WrestleMania. It was a good follow-up to WrestleMania. So overall, solid pay-per-view. I'd probably give it a 4 out of 5. 4.5 out of 5, if that makes sense. But that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. If you like the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, the Madhouse 21 Let me know what you guys thought about WWE Backlash. Did it live up to the hype? What was your favorite match? What was your least favorite match? Whatever the case may be, let me know. Instagram and Twitter, the Madhouse 21 uh, be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. We are covering the Guardians of the Galaxy. I've already done Volume 1 and 2. I'm covering Volume 3 uh, right now as we speak. Uh, earlier today, we did go see it. Uh, so that episode will probably drop probably in a, here within the next few hours. If not, if I don't get it out, if I don't get it published, edited, and everything today, it'll definitely drop uh, probably first thing in the morning and everything like that. But I do have my review uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds. I know Fast 10 is coming out in probably about another two weeks. Like I said earlier, WWE's got another pay-per-view this month. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. I don't think I'm going to do a movie marathon for Fast and the Furious because I already did Fast and the Furious when I did uh, when I did the one for Fast 9. So Fast 10, you're just going to get the straight up review for it. And everything like that. So be on the lookout for that. 
Be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. I'm not sure what the next movie review is going to, the next movie marathon is going to be because, you know, the next movie coming out that I know of is Fast and the Furious 10, but I've already done the Fast and the Furious saga, so I'll think of something, you know, we'll get this stuff going on. A lot of the shows are coming out, a lot of the movies are coming out, so be on the lookout for that, be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. Uh, And of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness.